Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Claim comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Taking a walk. We couldn't get signed we were rejected by every label in the united states five times every five times we eventually went to england to get an independent record deal and reverse broke like joan jett has done great cats did um hendrix also went to england and broke out of out of the uk uh we had to do that because as as popular as we were in the tri-state area we could not get a record deal they would not sign us this is the taking a walk podcast with buzz knight this episode buzz talks with one of the most colorful figures in music history d snyder was the front man for the legendary heavy metal band twisted sister he also continues to host the house of hair radio show join buzz talking with d snyder next on taking a walk uh, Dee Snyder, welcome to a virtual edition of the Taking a Walk podcast. I wish it could be in person, but maybe you could uh, add the huffing and puffing effects in. Well, I'm in really good aerobic shape, Buzz, so I'll have trouble faking that I'm winded. Do you take walks, though? I mean, uh, do you do you do that out in uh, uh, sunny California? You know what? Uh, one of my favorite things, I grew up in New York, um, and uh, my wife and I now live by the beach in uh, California and we have a house on the Caribbean in uh, Belize. And so walking on the beach is one of my favorite things, uh, which is, you know, which I never, you know, that's, that's definitely goes against the, the pale ghost whiteness of normal rock stars who are vampires. But in my older age, I, I want to be tan and healthy and happy. So what was it like growing up in those uh, mean streets of uh, Astoria? Well, you know, uh, families uh, who go to New York 
immigrant families. My my family, my parents are children of immigrants. Um, they moved to Brooklyn. They moved to Queens, Astoria. It was where my parents lived and grew up in that area. But then the dream is to it's a dream for a better life. We're all always dreaming for a better life for our kids. We all want it better than we had it. And so back then, the better life was to go out to Long Island, the suburbs, you know, and live in the track housing and get away from the mean streets of of New York City and Queens. And, um, you know, I'm it's just you said it. I didn't. But they didn't realize that there was a, a whole suburban gang scene going on where I lived. Uh, which I've written about in my new novel called Frats, which you can't see when we're walking. But um, and I it was I was in as much danger there as I was in Queens, and and if not more, because because they were called fraternities, high school fraternities. They didn't exist anywhere else in the world except in a small microcosm in South Shore of Nassau County, when in the in the seventies and and eighties, um, they were they had uh, charters with the police department. And they had Greek letters, and so the school viewed them as uh, as being oh they're legitimate they're like college fraternities, but it's high school. They marched in the parades. Uh, they would have the college walk with their banners. Yet they basically all they did was uh, fight and and beat people up. They were just gangs, but they were allowed to roam the halls wearing their colors and their jackets. And France is, is based on actual events about that period of time in the seventies when that existed. So tell me about frats and what's going to happen that is uh, a future uh, evolution of that book. So frats is, you know, I've been writing for many, many years. And people, if you check it out, I promise you, uh, I've been writing over 30 years, whether it was screenplays or short stories or, uh, you know, or just articles and uh, memoirs, all kinds of things. I finally decided to do a um, uh, a novel and the reviews are are excellent. Uh, people people are kind of stunned, but like I said, it's a craft, and I've developed it, and I can write. But it was published because you know when you when a rock star writes book, people don't take you seriously. So it's on a small independent uh, you know uh, Red Penguin books available in stores anywhere you get books. Um, but you know I didn't expect much more, but it's a very rich story, and. Uh, I got contacted by a major studio. I can't name them now. We're putting a deal together who wants to make a movie out of it. Uh, and and but you try to want to say, well, what's it about? I just told you, but think Outsiders set in, in the suburban 70s. You remember the movie Outsiders? This is about gang violence in, in suburbia in the 70s. And uh, anyway, so that was a really exciting meeting I had earlier this week. And so I'm hoping it gets brought to the screen because um, the story is worthy. It's a powerful story. It's a coming of age story. It's also about uh, male toxicity, you know, that whole thing that we, yeah. I didn't realize I was writing about that, but it is. So if you're wondering why we still have a lot of very violent men in the world, it's because it, because many of us were raised like, I don't know what we were raised like, but we were raised like animals. And, you know, and, and, and we, uh, we continue to, it was very hard for me being raised by a cop vet the heavy-handed dad to not inflict this uh, that on my ch own children because it turned me into a tough guy. It made me colder. It made me a guy who's, you know, tear ducts dried up. It made me that a hard person. And I didn't want my sons to uh, still to be affected by it, but they still, to be honest, they still were. 
it's hard not to be affected when your dad's a tough guy. So, and Mr. Tough Guy was in uh, the church choir, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But tough Guy was in a lot. I became Tough Guy. You know, it was like I wasn't, I was like an outcast, you know, in the book, France, uh, it's about the fraternities. I am not one of the guys, the guy who the book's about, you know, Bobby, uh, the main character. I'm not Bobby. I am one of the, the nerds that uh, is getting always in danger of getting their asses kicked by the gangs. You know, I spent my life trying to avoid them. I was a big nerd and I was a big weird nerd. So they kind of said, hey, you know, better stay away from him. It just might, it just might go back. It might, it might go, you know, go wildly wrong. But at the same time, I did have my moments of getting jumped. And, um, but I was not that tough a guy growing up. I, you, life makes you that way. And you just sort of have to protect yourself and defend yourself. I mean, you live in not, you know, in the world that I grew up in. And it just makes you stronger. Hey, if, if nobody bothered me or picked on me, I'd just be a, I don't know, I'd just be a, a geek crying watching sad movies or something i don't know what but uh but that's not me we'll be right back with more of the taking a walk podcast welcome back to the taking a walk podcast well when twisted sister first really uh broke out big um i was working in that period in connecticut programming at uh i-95 and uh seeing you and the band at a number of uh, salty places like the fore and aft. Remember the fore and aft? These are places that make you tough. Uh, Agora, the Agora, they, uh, so many. Uh, there was there was Toad's Place. There was a Great American Music Hall. Uh, there's there's so many legendary clubs in the New York area, fore and aft for sure. And so we saw you regularly there as you guys were out playing all the time. We would do our you know, station promotion nights there frequently. And then I remember, you know, suddenly there's an explosion of Twisted Sister fame over your music. Um, were you guys taken by surprise about how quickly that all happened? Well, the band was together for a long time. And the reason why I-95, which, by the way, my radio show, House of Hair, is on I-95 still, uh, all these years later, um, the reason why you guys came down to our shows is because they're always packed. You knew the place, there'd be a thousand kids there, you know, uh, you know, teenagers. Uh, so you knew, you know what I'm saying? That's why people came to our shows. We packed them in. People kept expecting us to move on and leave. And we just were there for year after year. We couldn't get signed. We were rejected by every label in the United States five times. Every five times, we eventually went to England to get an independent record deal and reverse broke like Joan Jett has done, Stray Cats did, um, uh, 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 Hendrix also went to England and broke out of out of the UK. Uh, we had to do that because as as popular as we were in the tri-state area, we could not get a record deal. They would not sign us. So when it finally happened. Yeah, it started, it, it, it's like when you finally broke through, it just the wall came down and we, we plowed through. But as a band, we had done so much, experienced so much. It was like, I don't want to say too little, too late, but it was like uh, almost bit, 
big whoop is not the word either, but we had already played arenas, opening up for people who were in the tri-state area for Judas Priest and Blue Oyster Cult, and we had been in arenas. We recorded in the top recording studios, our demos in Electric Lady with Eddie Kramer, and I remember the Rolling Stones doing some girls down the hall. I mean, so we had... Uh, we had bodyguards in the tri-state area. We had thousands and thousands of fans. So we had a, had in a microcosm, we were rock stars, but we hadn't received it on an international level. So when it finally happened, it was like, it's about time. That was the feeling. It's about damn time. I remember uh, at the Episcopal church that my wife and I belonged to in Connecticut, actually, during that period, and I know you ultimately uh, turned to the Episcopal Church as well, but I remember being called after a particular mass to a meeting almost of the church elders about the whole PMRC thing that was going on, Whoa. which was pretty awkward, I might say. Um, can you describe what it was like uh, being there with uh, John Denver, Frank Zappa in the middle of all of that fight. You know, at the time, um, we were in the center of the controversy. There was a, a list called the Filthy 15. And uh, and that, you know, and we were, we're not going to take it, it was on there for violence. We were a vi It was a violent song, apparently. And we were dealing with protests at our shows and picket lines, and uh, especially down in the Bible Belt, shows canceled because our New York mouths the things we said on stage got me arrested down in texas so uh, i i was very much in the middle of it and it felt we were twisted effing sister man i mean i kind of expected it and when they asked me to go to washington to testify i viewed it as carrying the flag into battle i said wow you know I thought, i'm gonna lead the army into battle I didn't know until well later that it was that John Denver and Frank Zappa, both may they rest in peace, were both going to be there. Neither who was on the list, neither who was a targeted band or artist. And to their credit, they stepped forward at a time. It turned out not many people did. Not many people stepped up. As a matter of fact, after those Senate hearings and I was I was pretty much canceled. It was before they called it canceling, but I became public enemy number one and. I was portrayed and it really it really hurt Twisted's career that I stepped forward like that. You know, Alice Cooper once said to me, why'd you do that? He said, you should have just said it's all true. <laughs> it's all true. You know, and, and just, you know, because if what they were accusing us of fed the rock and roll uh, ethos, fed the Im image of rock and roll, me stepping forward and showing them they were wrong. And I was intelligent and I didn't drink and I didn't do drugs and I was married and I was a Christian and I had a child that was not rock and roll. And it was damaging to my image because unbeknownst to me, people want lifestylers. They didn't, they want not just people who are rocking out on stage. They want you doing the same thing off stage. And me, I was just recovering from every show. So I was, I didn't, you know, I didn't live the rock and roll lifestyle. I was rock and roll, but be that as it may, to um, I didn't know what to, what Frank and John would be about. Frank, of course, is always fucking disdainful of any, of, of uh, anything normal. So and uh, and meeting him was amazing. And uh, and he went in there and kicked ass. John Denver was a big surprise. At that point, he was so mom and apple pie with his annual Christmas special, and and we thought he might 
turn on rock and roll, but he didn't. And Frank and I were cheering in the back room when he did. And when he said, I liken these, this censorship hearing to Nazi book burnings. Wow. People don't remember. They know John was there, but he hid the power of his words had a much greater effect on those senators because they liked him and they thought he would be on their side, which he was not. Isn't it sort of chilling thinking about the world we live in today and certainly how books and stuff are being banned and about the fight that, you know, that you led? It is. And the, you know, look, censorship has been a thing since the beginning of time. If you really step back from it, and I said, so if I really step back, I almost feel sorry for Puritan people. Puritan's a general word, meaning people who have a very conservative belief system because they keep trying to stop, put a, they keep trying to draw a line to stop, you know, like things like, and, and, and every time they give an inch, the people on the other side keep stepping over the line and try to push it further. If you go to television, there was a time when a husband and wife couldn't be in the same bed together on tv eventually you have shows like friends on primetime tv where everybody's sleeping around and the whole thing's about you know sexual interrelationships not the, uh, everything's about it but it was open like that was just acceptable thing well that's a far cry from you know from from where things started on tv and 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 it's always been like that they've always tried to the, the, the conservative people try to control uh expression freedom of expression and every time they give a little bit we keep pushing more and more and more. The odd thing about the pendulum is that now we're seeing the censorship coming more from the left than the right, even though they're getting back to it. The right is getting back to it with their, you know, with certain things that they're doing. We won't get into that. But the PC cancel, cancel culture, that is censorship. We were talking the other day. And Buzz, you you know, there was a movie, one of the legendary comedy movies of all time by Mel Brooks, Blazing Saddles. In the 70s, this thing, man, it pushed every button, offended everybody, and it was a hit, and it was hysterical. And um, you could make that movie today. You could not make a movie openly using the N-word and 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 was and everybody talking about rape and as a joke and talking about, you know, all groups all religious groups all it just nobody was safe in blazing saddles but but now you can't make a movie like that because it offends people you don't want to offend people you know and that's that is that's another extreme of censorship you know that's the extreme of censorship wanting to ban records and block and, and label records that was one side of censorship another is saying well you can't say those things because they hurt people's feelings because they're offensive you know, I was writing a song on my last album, uh, uh, Leave a Scar, called In for the Kill. And at some point, and it was metaphorical. It was about going for it. You know, that that, that, that moment of In for the Kill, fire, fire at will. You know, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, my time is now. And I and I found myself going, oh, wait a second. In for the Kill, fire at will. That's, I don't know. Is that, are they going to, can I say that? And I was like, holy crap. I'm D. Snyder. I fought censorship, and I'm sitting here censoring myself from saying words because I'm, I might offend somebody with a metaphor. Needless to say, 
The song's on the record. <laughs> Leave a score. <laughs> I admire your tenacity, your resilience, your creativity. The book, congratulations on it. And the future film, congratulations on it. Thank you. And it's so great to reconnect with you, D. Snyder, on Taking a Walk. Buzz, a pleasure as always. Look forward to talking to you again. We ain't finished, brother. We got a lot more to say. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Taking a Walk podcast. Share this and other episodes with your friends and follow us so you never miss an episode. Taking a Walk is available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.